now let's jump straight into it because yep. I'm interested about something. I was reading something that I found quite interesting and it was along the lines of some of the thoughts that I think are worthy of discussion, which is around the recreation of yourself at particular times in life and the importance of that. Um, <laughs> so we're starting light. <laughs> yes, oh, I want to jump straight into light stuff because, um, it, you know, this is stuff that we have spoken about many, many times and yeah. also I think probably gone through many, many times. But I think there's something of a validity in there now that it's probably more important than we've given credence to in the past, particularly working with so many clients now. Mm. You see the problems, Not maybe problem's not the right word, you see how painful it can be when you're trying to hold on to a business changing, a person changing, results training, good and bad obviously. But I think more importantly just in terms of a concept and needing to understand that it is inevitable, you must change. Keep going. Sorry, I'm not going to stop you in the middle of that. No, and I guess the thing I want to talk about is, is inevitable change but also the pain associated with accepting that things will change because I think that's probably from I guess a lot of the clients that I've been seeing recently probably the thing that holds them back after they've got a grip of okay success is a little bit easier than it has been for me in the past yeah but now I am extremely uncomfortable for what that level of success means to me in who I am personally in that definition of who you are yeah and the rest of the world that they've created for themselves now not being able to relate to them and feeling and out of body is a probably a bit too strong a definition but they're feeling like almost an imposter in their old life because they see the world differently but not necessarily all the constructs they have around them are not different. But to me it sounds like you're talking about two different things. Mm -hmm. So one, there's the internal, your own uh, definition of yourself, which is kind of like a uh, an accountant looking at your life, which is always historical data. You're looking backwards and making four judgments on what has happened before. Very much so. So I think that's a, absolutely the first point is it, – Self-realization. So we don't want to get too airy fairy kumbaya yeah. here because that's what we're talking about. I'm more in the whole destruction, rip yourself apart, build it back up and see if the new one's better. If not, rip it again. Yeah. Um, I think that is let's let's touch on that first yeah. because I think that's important. I think that's one that, you know, we've known each other a lot of years now. So that's one I've seen you go through many times and yeah. vice versa. You've seen me go through probably daily. Um, <laughs> but in terms of that few, when when do you think or when do you is there a time where you can remember was a transformational point but not so much as, you know, hey, we did this, we made some money, we did this, but more around a realisation of what you knew to be true may not necessarily be what it is now for you? Well, there's been multiple times and I think that's the key to this, that this isn't a thing that you have the one change and or you have that oh no, this is my new reality because as soon as you're in that new reality, I, I, I'm a massive believer in that we're always playing catch up 
with who we actually are. 100%. So, as soon as you get to that point where, oh, I finally worked it out, you've just become the most ignorant version of yourself. Yeah. <laughs> See, that just makes me the most ignorant version of myself. That's really to be able to even comment on that. Sorry, continue. So with this, I mean, I've lived multiple lives in, in career paths and in locations, those kind of things. So if I look at it and I think we're only – it's when you meet Nigel, by the way, he's not sort of dressed in a big hippie sort of thing where he's lived multiple lives and he's talking <laughs> about, you know, regression in lives and things like that. Literally, I mean, you're a stand-up comedian 30 years ago. Yeah, so went from stand-up, <laughs> like uh, overweight stand-up, like drinking my way through festivals to then was gym owner, <laughs> super fit. Then <laughs> yeah, he's, a, he's, yeah I, he's not bipolar but he certainly jumped from one <laughs> extreme to the other, that's no, for sure. What I do do and this is why I have had what some people would consider dramatic changes in yep. career um, and they're not even related to each other is that it may take me a while to make a decision but when that decision is on, that is a decision. It's not half in, half out. It's... If I want, I, I don't have hobbies. Oh, well, wait a minute. This is a bit interesting then. So, all right, let me just before, because yeah. I want to hear this in, in a little bit of depth, because yeah. I think it's very important, particularly for people who are feeling like they're going through change. I think you can be a bit of a North Star because you've jumped, yeah. as in properly jumped and committed to whatever you've chosen to do, mm. which you, you were just mentioning. But what do you reckon you're putting off now that you could be making that decision on? Uh, 20 things <laughs> that I can name off the top of my head. Um, but it's a matter of prioritizing again how like when we're looking at those things go what's going to have the most impact for me mm. at this point I, I could try and jump in 20 like shiny star has always been a thing yep you don't, you don't become a stand-up actor without chasing a Chinese shiny star yep um, but as I uh, you mean like public presence that you yearn for that the shiny star for at that if we want to go like right into it at extremely young age, uh, external validation, the best external validation you can get is standing in front of 5,000 people without a script in your hand, making shit up and then laughing at you. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome, feel great, let's go. Yeah, 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 sure. <laughs> so um, but those things, I think there's there can be a tendency for people when they're struggling in a certain place to make a decision to change something drastically without and chase the shiny star without thinking of the, hey, what is this delivering against? And yeah, that might yeah, yeah. just be externalising completely. Yeah, no, I, listen, I think it's, it's certainly people's experience that, I mean, we see it, which is people chasing shiny stars being seeing someone at a certain point and then following that as a path because, oh, that looks easy, I'll just do that. Yeah, and I've been thinking about it and I don't think it's actually, uh, for me and, and the way I'm kind of looking at it now, a lot of the time when previously – I think in learning anything or that mastery of anything, there is a pain point. There is that point where you are drowning, where yep. you just go, I have no idea what I'm about to do. I yep. don't know the next step in this. And that's often for me when the shiny star would come up because it was a way of avoiding breaking that barrier to the next thing. Yeah, and I think, I mean, to me, personally, we I reflect on that point as the price of admission um, we used to see it a lot, particularly in a few things. In business, definitely. So a lot of people come in here so gung-ho. So they know, okay, I'm in a growth consultancy. I'm going to be your best client. They're aggressively wanting to outperform everyone else who's been through the place. And you, it's funny because you start thinking about 
I'm interested in seeing whether they're a dabbler. Everyone who comes in gun-ho, the red flag goes up, ah, this is one of those people that probably jumps around from idea to person to consultant to business to idea again to bright and shiny again and they dabble, they dabble, they, they're addicted to the fast growth of learning a new skill yeah. or being the hero and then they start getting to a point where, you know what, I now need to look at nuance to get to the next level. I've plateaued because I'm off that trajectory of early growth where the dabblers love to play. Because you feel that stretch. You feel you go, go from zero to 50 really quickly. Yeah, it just addicted to the accelerated growth of a new skill. So we see a lot of business owners, they're so pumped when they do something and they can see, yeah, my business is growing. Yeah, I'm getting there. Yeah, I'm getting there. And they go, great. All you need to do now is make sure your business consistently repeats that over and over and over again. And they're like, but what's next? <laughs> well, you get to another million bucks until we put the infrastructure in place where you're not the one in charge of that. Yeah. But I want to learn the new thing. And it's that whole as soon as it gets to nuance or pain or not seeing direct reward for effort yeah. that you, you see them drop off. And it's just incredible because that's the price of admission. As soon as it gets the price of admission, you see the wannabes stop, which I love because it, it just it shows it how easy it is to win <laughs> against people who dabble. But, and there's, I think just in touching on what you said, there is it's really easy to hide in education and feel like you're moving forward because you're learning, new, even if you're not applying it. But you just go, well, no, I'm, I'm reading this, I've done this, there's this new theory, that let's play to place that into here. But that bit where that pain point is, like, like you said, it, it is literally going, okay, now it's I know it, I just have to do it. I yeah. have to do it over and over and over and see where the, the 2%, the 1% is. I think we need to be pretty clear there because I think you brought up something that's probably as critical as anything that um, – business owners particularly but people in life need to understand it's the old it's the old saying would you rather if you're in a war would you rather be in the trenches with a guy that's been in 10 wars or the one that's read a thousand books on wars yeah <laughs> and when you talk about education i think that's probably a very very loose term for people who educate themselves on something but have no application in what they're learning, reading, doing. Yeah. Because I, I, I mean everyone feels like oh, I've read 50 business books. And I was like, well, if you've read 50 business books, surely one was enough if you applied that and got 10% of anything. There's always a great idea there. Yeah. It's not the volume. That's not education being the most well read or being able to recite the most quotes. It's – what did you apply more than anyone else or what did you work out with the basic framework of an idea from a book? Yeah. That's education. The application is the thing that most people don't do because that's where the pain is. Yeah. It's, it's nice to feel like you've got it and go, oh, yeah, and you can skim the top of the, the, the idea. But I've always got a, a more respect for somebody that's read one business book 50 times. 100%. To try and get each of those the little lessons because you know when you read a book that that works for you. 100%. You read it again, something else comes out. I think that's probably 
a lot of transformation if we get back to what we were originally sort of starting with. It was that transformation is around people who start to feel pain because they've got onto an idea, something's gone right and they want to explore it further mm. and then they start to reapply, they keep doing it and then they start to get the nuance. They see that when the sort of luck of the doing it in the first place, how do I repeat that over and over again? What do I need to actually do? And I think that is again that whole self-education and repeatability being the the process for the next level of mastery. It's the accountability and it's the accountability of going like because everyone's read those books or gone, I learned a new thing and I put myself firmly into this category yep. and gone, all right, tomorrow I'm going to go up and do X, Y, Z. Yep. Tomorrow you do it. The next day you do it again. You go, okay, feeling good, you're starting to get something happening, whatever yep. that is. But then the next day is just X, Y. The next day you forget to do it and then it's just X. And then it's just you – but you still carry that, no, I am doing it in my head Yeah, a lot of the time. So you feel like – but you go – if someone actually asks you, you go, no, I've, I've not done it in two weeks. 100%. But, but in your head you're still – you're doing it i'm doing it because i feel different because i've got this knowledge that's why you see so many successful people that aren't necessarily so amazing but they're actually so disciplined around doing things that work i've met a lot of people that are you wouldn't have thought in terms of average education average resources average opportunities but when something feels right they keep doing it and uh, I think it's interesting that you bring that up because uh, you, you've got access to good people around yep, you. Definitely. And But that use of the word average, they've come from, think, that is such a, a stopping point for so many people because I'll, I'll use it as an excuse. I didn't go to a private school. I didn't uh, have the right education. I, I don't belong in these kind of things. But those people, there's a, a ton of really successful people that you'd never even know, that you'd never meet, but they've built something of true worth because of that. Yeah, and I think there's some ridiculous statistics around actually that it's it's counterintuitive. It's not, yes, you get different opportunities and education from obviously different schooling, different networks and things like that, but it's not it's not as lopsided as you would imagine that it should be. And people think, but it's an easier path. And it's not necessarily because a lot of the times there's a boldness in people who have to do things but rather than, they could do something but why would you risk what you currently have? Why would I risk what uh, my family's built to do that? So they're, they're still being able to progress but not necessarily those breakthrough moments or it's always against the leverage risk. Yeah. You haven't had those opportunities. You basically don't have a choice so you go for it. I mean it's a very important one. I think that recreation around who am I and what am I at the point of when it starts to become difficult and I don't think this is around that hey, hustle and work harder type philosophy. It's around when my when I'm revealed, which is when things need the work, which might mean trying to work things out, breaking through frustration, learning a nuance of a skill, applying it in a different way, doing something that worked last time but didn't work this time and not giving up on it, working out why that's the result. Mm. I think that's essentially where the recreation of who you are needs to occur 
there's, uh, I've been tra- ha- having a lot of conversations with people for some reason around scars mm-hmm. at the moment in, in the necessity of having them if someone – because there's a lot of people um, just in, in general like business people get together, they give each other advice. Yep. And I think it's um, awesome that people are sharing but I think it's incredibly dangerous yeah. as well um, because people – In listen- what respect? This is where the scars conversation coming. Yep. I'm going. If someone's going to give me advice about how to run a business or how to do a certain thing, I want to know that they've got the scars of doing it themselves. Yep. That they've made the mistakes, so that they know the implications of what those choices are. Yeah. Because there is so much education at the moment and so much information out there that people are giving advice without knowing the implications or of what they're actually saying. Yeah. Mm. I can, I can feel my blood boiling a little bit because I think this is something of a personal annoyance for me yeah. personally. I, this is, I think, a big danger in particularly um, we've spoken about it previously, networking groups and things like that or when you get a whole bunch of smaller business owners and you have someone who's a little bit more successful but they're a little bit more successful in this tiny pool and there's nothing, there's not, it's not hating on them, it's great the thing that I, I've, I've noticed is the people that I've met with more financial success don't have the ignorance that they also have the answers to your problem. Mm. And I've been thinking about this a bit because we've been lucky enough to meet some people on you know, extremely rare air they live in. Like they've just been ultra successful from a financial point of view. They've been ultra successful from a just a general life point of view, you know, living great lives and that's not just directly related because they're financially successful. These are self-made people. And thinking about the advice of someone giving you advice about how you should treat your business, I think there's some universal truths about business. Mm -hmm. There's absolutely universal truths about philosophy a ways of growing a company, the levers of a company, the things that need to happen. I mean, we know from the, the systemization of those things in our business that there are levers that you need to pull, adjust and change on a consistent basis where you can basically, you know, execute regularly smart and sustainable growth levels. Yeah. When you start talking to people who share their experience and feel that all you have to do is this, what they're not considering is the elements in your life, business, experience, skill set that went into making their strategy right for them. Yeah. But it's like saying, well, great, I've, built, I've made this beautiful cake and all you have to do is use the same ingredients in the same way and you'll also have that cake. Great, that's pretty simple. Now with business, all we know is that nobody has the same ingredients nor has the same process nor has that. So every variable is different yet we think the advice or people take the advice of but they've been successful. Yeah. If it was that easy you would have every person who's been super successful in business be able to consistently repeat that and it is well documented that even the most successful business owners and people who've built these ones that you see all over the media they can't necessarily repeat it in a different industry. Yeah. They're not doing that. That was right for that. It was right for how they applied the time. I mean, even if you had exactly the right ingredients, but it's a different time on earth, it still won't work. Yet people 
stick around like, wow, that's great advice. Great advice on what? Yes, it sounds logical, but unless it's nothing wrong with the advice, it's just the person receiving it thinking it's the answer. Yeah. It's not the answer <laughs> at all. It's a framework of thinking to run through your filter and resources to see what part of that could I apply. And mould it onto your personality, your resources, your caked in. Whatever it is. 100%. Yeah. It's like, you know, doing fitness. There is universal truths of how you lose weight. Mm. But if you're someone who actually needs more sleep, if you're actually someone who needs a different supplement, if you're someone who actually needs a different routine, if you're someone who it, it has to be adjusted, it doesn't work the same for everyone. And this is the, the whole thing with I think advice and being very careful on who gives you advice. Advice won't work for you. And what I've noticed in the limited, like in those, in chatting with a few of the people uh, in yeah. that community, the more successful someone seems to be, from my experience, the less they say. 100%. It's actually quite hard to get advice out of them, even if you like go, give me advice. I go, no. Yeah. Like, it's just you you don't need advice. You need to do, like, but it's just something, it seems common across the, 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 the people. They just go, they're sure of what they do and they want to hear you rather than hear themselves speak. Well, 100%. I think, I, I really think this is something that has to be touched on just with every person that you ever receive advice, even your trusted advisors. You, it's the buck still stops with you and it's how well you can take ideas, theory, and test and measure them yourself. Now I get it. We, you know, this is the basis of our whole damn company is that well, let's put a system around test and measurement for everyone so they can allow for their own resources. But actually grabbing a strategy. So most people, let me give an example from the agency we own, the, the digital agency. Like online marketing doesn't work for everyone. We can put exactly the same ads, exactly the same skills, exactly the same everything. But if that company doesn't resonate with the target market, it doesn't mean people are still going to naturally buy. It's not an automatic thing. It doesn't work like that. It's the same way with getting two of exactly the same business that we're consulting to. And one of them, same size business, same sort of people, one of them goes gangbusters and the other one goes slowly. What's been the actual difference if they're all fed the same thing? Well, there's the other side of it because communication is a two-way thing. So whatever I'm, I'm saying as advice, it's got to go through your filters. So what you're hearing can oftentimes be completely different or not completely different or just two degrees different from what I'm actually trying to get across. Yeah, and I think that's coming back to, again, rebuilding yourself because naturally our filters leave out the bits we don't want to hear. Yeah. So, and that goes back to all oh, that bit will be different. That that's a little difficult. I'll just do the first few bits. Yeah. <laughs> so that sounds good, but the last bit seems hard. So I'll just do the first few bits. Yeah. Uh, why is that not working for me? And that might sound counterintuitive to what we were just speaking about before, but it's we don't know which bits are going to work. Hundred percent. And traditionally, you'll do the things, and whenever like you're sitting in those seminar environments that like, a lot of people mm. go to. And it's, it's um, having watched a lot of those, yep. you see people have an aha moment mm-hmm. and th- at that point when someone had an aha moment, I just go, oh, we're done. Like it's, yep. it's over now because the aha moment is the thing that the speaker or the person giving advice is giving to you that resonates with the thing that you already think and it's reassuring what you think. 
and oh. building upon that. So they grab onto that bit and the bits that they that were they find hard. Yeah. Um they go, "Oh, I'll have to think." Oh, yeah. totally. Totally. I agree with you. And it, and I think I'm interpreting what you're saying, which is most people look at an aha moment as they finally found something to move forward with. From my experience, it's the thing they can bloody understand because it already resonates with what they know. 100%. And yeah. so it's and not what a – they feel. Yeah, they yeah. feel like they progress because, oh, finally, that's how I think, which is actually the bit where they feel most numb is that's the stuff you got to learn, Dopey. Yeah. Like, <laughs> the, like, bit, the bit that you go, aha, uh-huh, oh, that he's so right, ignore that because you already think that. Yeah, 100%. And it's like it, it's amazing and I think this is why people are constantly in this flux of – just why do the same things keep happening to me? Why the same things keep happening to me? And the problem is it is an infinite loop because even now when we sit here and we can talk about it logically like we understand it, well, on some level we'd probably just missed everything we need to do. We missed 98%. Yeah, because we're talking and agreeing with each other which we're missing something else. So (laughs) I guess that's more a juxtaposition of life even when we think we're smart, we're the dumbest. Well, it's it's always the thing in listening to because I've had the uh, privilege of listening to a lot of speakers. Mm. And being it over the long term, whatever I would often see, whatever is being advice that's given on stage, yep. and going, well, this is the thing, and, and they're a hundred percent sure from it, uh, from that angle. Three months later, it's when they have their moment and go, oh, the thing that I've been telling everyone else to do, that's where I'm missing it in mine, and it's when they've had that downtime to get away from it. Hundred percent. So, and I, I really listen hard for those things around me now because I go, okay, that's where we're going to be in about a month, two months. Totally have that moment. Oh, absolutely, and I think that's the, I mean, the importance of when you're giving advice, you're most likely trying to get yourself to listen to something. Oh, you're selling yourself on it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like if this person believes that it reinforces what I quite, I don't quite get yet, or I think I get, and I want reinforcement ourselves, and particularly in the smaller businesses where nobody's really, it's not. There's not anything wrong with a smaller business, but it's not really a, a thing to to build a bedrock on. Yeah. As in that's not advice that you should give other people. That's a boutique thing you've built that works for your life. So, you know, if you're going to these network events, you should not be taking business advice for anyone who's still working in their business and turning up to those things with a, yeah, but, you know, this is just what I do. Is that what you want to be? Yeah. Getting people to share their stories in those events are good because often you've got people that are in similar industries that are in yep. different paths, like still small to medium. Yep. But you go, you tell me something that you've seen down the track that you went through. Don't give me advice about it but tell me how you went through it. So, okay, cool. So I can recognise that when it comes up so I don't have to make your mistake. I can make a different one. I think as part of that also is where the, the great advice comes from at times is – your feeling around when you've had to go through that, not actually tactically what needed to happen. Definitely. It's yeah. more around a coping mechanism to clear the brain so you can start seeking out the answers that when you're under stress change, you know, reformation, it's how do I get my brain as clear as I can? How do I get my feelings as fine-tuned as I can to make better decisions with incomplete information? Yeah, it's, uh, you, I think you said it ages ago, it's, the, it's something you read, but I don't know where we came across it, but about the successful businesses aren't about making, or, or CEOs aren't about making 100% right decisions. 
It's trying to make more right than wrong decisions. Yeah. Get that percentage in the right angle and you will move forward. Totally. I met a successful guy a while ago. This is decades now, maybe 15 years ago, and he had a different take on it. And it was very interesting at the time because I think in some ways he's probably right. He said, I generally get 50% of my decisions right as CEO. The only variable I add is I shorten the time period between decisions which makes me more valuable. So I'm pretty much just guessing but (laughs) everyone else takes so much time to make a decision. At least when I make a decision, action happens. We see whether that decision was right. If it's right, we keep doing it. If it's wrong, we change it. But the difference is most humans don't want to operate like that because they don't want to be wrong. Um, They're worried about their positions and they also, you know, not used to making mistakes as being something that's rewarded because obviously that's not how any of us are conditioned make mistakes and that's the game which we know as we start to evolve that uh, mistakes are not mistakes they're just a path of which way i should go yeah and i think that's something that creators have actually nailed better than anyone else mm-hmm. because they they actually like there's uh, they live in mistakes some of the best new technologies or the new way of doing things have come from a mistake in the process and the process actually then becomes like there's i think there's a a saying in the improvisation world is essentially improvisation go out on stage nothing except a framework and it's going um fail spectacularly yeah because in those failures is where you find how to dig out yeah absolutely so around business circles as well it's that as well it's that whole thing of how do i how do i get to something that we can then use as the evidence. So most people never get to the evidence point. So uh, let's look at a, the extreme as what you just said, the fail spectacularly. So what does that actually mean? We've headed towards a path with extreme focus and the outcome was different to what we originally thought. Now all we have left is a body of evidence of what that action will conclude to. So where does that put us in line with where we originally came from? We've got a hell of a lot more evidence. We've got track record. We've got ability to understand. We're not dead. We can now re-navigate. So I get to remake a decision based with that. Now, am I better off now with this utter failure than I was with the theory prior to this with no evidence? Yeah. And I think most people don't get that. They certainly don't in their business and I think personal lives, most people play a conservative, safe game Yeah, for obvious reasons. Yeah. <laughs> the stakes are pretty high. Yeah, we don't want to <laughs> screw ourselves. <laughs> yeah, well, stakes are high in relation to what you think they would be if you failed. Yeah, particularly in small business, it's all kind of interrelated together and talking about that, as you're saying, um, the recreation of yourself and going through different and having new versions of yourself. I think we should probably put a caveat there of maybe that's where this conversation has evolved to is that new it's not a new version of yourself even though we did use that language at the beginning. It's more around accepting what you now know as who you are. That you haven't changed. You may have taken a layer off. You may have evolved your thinking. Most people think they need to be different people or learn more. I mean how many adults we bloody get in you know, to consulting and they're, you know, they're middle-aged and they still feel like there's a lot to learn. It's like you're fine who you are. You're absolutely everything you need to be right now to be anything. Yeah. Stop 
giving that power externally to needing to be anything different. You don't need to learn anything. You're not in the wrong position. You're not in it's, – it's the first way to make sure that you will not get the result. So they have set themselves up for I have to wait till I become this person. I'm going through a spiritual transformation. You, you can do whatever you want to distract you from you're already what you need to be. You will continue to learn till the day you die. Um, just do what you feel you want to do now. Yeah. And I, so the new version thing, there's, I agree, there's never a, you're never a different person. All there are is different parts of the personality are coming to the forefront and yeah. taking control at that point because yeah. they're the ones that serve you at that time. The, I think there's a, a, a what you said really nailed it in that waiting until you get to be X, get to be that new thing, whatever it is, that invisible line in the sand. Yeah, everything's a constant journey. If you keep putting off, it's what your old friend said. Like just make more decisions, take more actions now, whether they're right or wrong. They're at least action. Yeah. They're going to force you down a path. Yeah, and it's not taken with stupidity. If you still take a stupid action with high risk and you lose everything, well, you're just a fool. Like you don't ignore the lessons and everything that's coming up. I think that's where some people go, you can't live like that. You don't understand. If I took that risk, don't take a fucking risk that wipes yourself out. Like it's, it's that's stupidity. It's not massive action. It's stupidity. And the fact you would even consider that means that you are a gambler. Yeah. So you get to have the gambler's life, high risk, high reward. Most people put that externally. So massive action to them is massive risk. That is not what's being said. No. What, okay, what for massive action for you, what does that mean? It How is do you mean that? Taking steps towards a direction with intent not wiping yourself out by putting all eggs in one basket and just seeing how it goes. Oh, that's just taking a swing. Yeah, which is not a swing. It's gambling. Yeah. And that's just why most people have so much problem with risk is because every time they feel they take risk, they look at risk as gambling, not strategic steps forward to test a hypothesis in their own life. Right. Like it's, it's this whole – it, it infuriates me because it's this whole idea that you've got all these people who are in a lot of pain because they're taking so much risk, taking so much action. I'm just going to focus on my business, against my family, that's secondary, against this, that's secondary, against that because they're doing so much but they don't need to is because they see as massive action is massive risk. I'm prepared to risk my family to get this. Okay, well that's, that's really great. That's more your personality, nothing to do with the business. Yeah. Oh, you know, I I have to be here till midnight because I got to get this done. No, it's because you're ineffective everywhere else. You're undisciplined around your food. You're undisciplined around your sleep. You're undisciplined around your 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 routines, and you think you're a good leader. Yet somewhere in your brain, you think you have to kill yourself and risk everything to get somewhere in business. It's a farce. It's a lie. You're lying to yourself. Yes, you have to work hard. We get it. But you're talking in consistent long-term actions like that because there are times in any business where it rubber hits the road. Sometimes you do need to do a sprint of that midnight, the doing and oh. doing that kind of thing. In short, million percent. Yeah. But it's uh, yes, you have to work hard. Yes, you have to do sprints. Yes, you have to go through some. You know, we we spoke about this now. It's the recreation of yourself. Absolutely have to do that. That is the game we're in now. It's not everyone's game because some people will be self-employed and won't – as soon as it feels like that, they'll pull back. Yeah. 
oh, it's getting too busy. I won't continue to look for clients. I'll turn off my sales mechanisms. I, I can't risk getting a staff member in because, you know, I, I've only got six months worth of resources. So everyone's got a tolerance for risk and, it's, and no, none of us have the right to give people the tolerance level they're, they're prepared to and I'm, I've got no judgment on that. But it's the people who I believe have confused risk with gambling. So they have to go all in because that's become a common vernacular. Yeah. I need to go all in on this because unless I've go all in, I won't burn the boats and I won't get it done, you know. It's like, well, is that really the case? Is that literally how you're going to live your life? How many times can you burn the boats and go all in where you miss one? Yeah. So if I go and play poker, am I a better poker player because I'm the guy who's gone all in the most? No. Because there is no way I win all the all-ins. And you won't stay in the game. No. So you're actually out of the game. Yep. Your stack goes to zero. You start again. What's the freaking point in that? Yep. Whereas this has become almost a business methodology that you need to be all-in. I'm. That's certainly not saying you don't need focus. That's certainly saying you don't need to prioritise things. It's certainly doesn't mean you don't have to take the right actions at the right time consistently to get the results. But there is this massive wave of people who think that all in means total gambling. And to achieve success, you must, you have to inflict pain upon yourself to get it. Oh, yeah. You can't be successful without having it. 100%. Like this idea of that, and you can see the people who are actually playing that are all the ones that actually haven't built a business before. Or they haven't been involved with people who have built businesses before and they're taking these cues from, I guess, the uh, – I don't want to blame social media because I freaking love social media. I mean, social media is unbelievable. But you know, I hardly post on anything. Well, <laughs> at least when we're doing this podcast, I haven't been posting on anything, which I know the people <laughs> – everyone who's been saying, you really need to pre-order your brand. Like, <laughs> I get it. But it's this whole idea of taking the bits from – social media from other i guess more public business um celebrities yeah and it's not their fault it's taking the bits you wanted to hear to feel like what you need to do to get there quickly and that's the whole idea if we actually sat there and i said i'm going to guarantee you you get to have what you want nigel you tell me what you want in life and i guarantee it i'm a genie in a bottle yeah so you tell me what you want and i will give you two ways of doing it and one of them is seven days a week for the next 20 years. Not many people buy that. No. And if I said, or you can have a smack at it. And all that means is that it might work, it might not. 99% of the people have a smack at it and then see where we go. Yeah. Because the idea of having to consistently put that work in, take steps forward, take steps back, have a certain amount of pressure on you for the next 20 years. It's just like not there. Yeah. And it's, I mean, it's it's actually quite scary. And I mean, there's a reason nine out of 10 businesses fail. There's absolutely a reason because even this small conversation is, well, even if you win your first few spins on this, if that's your way of putting a business together, you're just going to get caught on the next one. Yeah. Okay. Well, to, to effectively grow a business from and in my point of view, you've got to screw up. Like it's the only way that you actually – otherwise you become comfortable and complacent in what, where you are. Couldn't if you don't more. screw it up, you don't learn how to improve it. 
Yeah, but let's, I mean, let's look at that as even the language. What is screwing it up? So that's the not getting the outcome that you thought you were going to get from the actions you took. Great. So what you're saying is progressing forward with an unknown, which, an unknown yeah. resolution. Great, which is business. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because it starts with I've got an idea to service someone to fix their problem. I'll see if I can do that. Like not many businesses that have started with one thing are that same thing if they've been in business for a few years. I mean, it's diversifying risk when you start to get to levels where people are buying the business, particularly private equity funds and, you know, when they become more corporatized, they've got to leverage risk. They've got to use integrations. They need to leverage their customers, their resources and start to offer different things. I mean, one of the growth strategies we use is what other products and services can your business add? How can we fulfill a client better yeah. because half the time most people are doing one thing which is absolutely important to establish a business to begin with but then you, you, you need some level of diversification. It doesn't necessarily mean new product or service but there needs to be a level of diversification. It could be in your current product mix, yeah. current product offering. It doesn't need to be new but it needs to be diversified. I don't know of a product that basically has – been there from the beginning and hasn't had to diversify the wheel well diversified <laughs> no 100 percent. yeah One through componentry sizes yeah, yeah. i mean <laughs> everything about that wheel it, you know it's, it's massively different yeah even the shape's not the same as soon as it came out i knew I <laughs> yeah no listen I mean, but absolutely like the only thing i'm trying to think of like are railways like government-owned railways and things like that so let's look at that so government-owned utilities, which are generally slower to diversify. So let's look at that. We've got the railways. Have they diversified since the day they first started? So first of all, they're coal-filled engines. Yeah. Do we have any of those anymore? No. Great. So there's Nothing been – Nothing Billy. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> so there's an evolution of that. So first of all, it's the evolution of actually how they're doing. But that's probably – being a little unfair that it's a diversification rather than just a modernization of technology mm -hmm. so let's let's give that one through so did trains when they begin have different classes yes did they have sleeping carriages some did did they have track basically going to here to there then what happened when people got off so trains started offering different services to get to different destinations started doing joint ventures in terms of travel instead of going from train travel which was just a necessity going for actually this is part of a travel offering so even the most old school commercialized government infrastructure needs to diversify and change the offering they do joint ventures with other people they change the experience for clients they change the experience for the way that they can operate. They look for ways in which to get people using the utilities more. They look at ways to make it more comfortable. They do all these things and that's basically someone with no competition apart from then when buses came along. Yes. And then they start to diversify, change, evolve and do that again. So which I think is probably, you know, it's a poor example but it's an old school utility even that has to find ways to continually reinvent itself. Yeah. Most people in business think that they're just going to be this or just sell this. 
Well, you look at something as a, a, one of the biggest brands in the world, Coca-Cola. Yep. They're particularly recently always experimenting with new products and offerings to get different things. So the the, the core product was Coke. Hundred percent. Now they're trying to capture the market of the energy drink with the the Coke energy drinks. Hundred percent. They've got the zero sugar. They've got the water arm to it Absolutely. as well. So and they're trying to own the beverage market. And even the core product, they're changing flavors in there and additives always as well. Absolutely. So they have to adjust with modern times, recipes, all the things. So a diversification of product. But second to that, they need to look, they had to diversify their distribution. So when they first of all began. Now, you know, I don't know who was the first beverage company to start it, but who would have thought that I could own a milk bar and someone else would pay for my fridges? Yeah. Brilliant. Yeah. Now, why? Well, if I've got 20 brands, I can give you the fridge because I'm keeping my own <laughs> stock cold. All stocked in there. Yeah, so they start to actually change the whole way in terms of which the business model works. It was the same with coffee. Once upon a time you'd buy coffee beans and then some smart person worked out, well, what if I just give you the coffee machine until you use a certain amount of beans? You get to – I can lock in my coffee contract for the sake of how many years because fine – you don't have to keep using my beans. I just need my coffee machine back. <laughs> but, but, but I need to make coffee. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so it's this whole way of having to reinvent the way that your business model works, the way you penetrate a market, the way you get to retain customers, the way you can change your offering. I mean that's just normal. This is the whole point of having to do things and reinvent and personally reinvent and find when it gets hard because you might have something that works so well. And you just want it to keep going forever. As soon as something's ultra successful, the sharks come. Yeah. It's a matter of time. You may have got to jump on them, but now you're in position to, you've got market position, but now everyone's gotten to observe what else is missing from your offering. And if you're too big, it's harder to change. <laughs> so it's evolution. And I think it, it mirrors up against that, what we're talking about on that personal front, how we started the conversation. Yep. The good businesses are able to evolve and change because a good business looks forward. That's the natural tendency and going, where's the next opportunity? Where's the next danger? Yep. It's almost – and those people that are struggling in that next evolution of themselves, whatever you want to get around the language of it, the trouble is that most people are looking backwards. In I, that. I agree and, and what, we, what you see commonly or hear commonly is – Oh, clients have become so difficult. Why are they difficult? They want so much more now than what we used to. They used to just be happy. So here's a client who's verbalizing they want more and the business is getting upset because it's not what we do. <laughs> well, perhaps that's where the innovation is going to come from. Perhaps that's a trend beginning. Perhaps that's a sign that, you know what, things are changing. And you see the poor business owners versus the ones that get that yeah. is they don't get upset with the client. They're thankful for the feedback. Yes, it's <laughs> annoying. Yes, we just want to run one thing. Yes, we don't want to keep innovating because it's difficult. It's hard. It takes money. It takes time. It takes stress. It takes resources, all these sort of things. But when you see the people who are good at this and constantly in the game, they don't get upset when clients that were great start to play up actually go, ah, something's shifting here. Yeah. Our job is to 
understand what's actually happening so we can get ahead of it and continue to stay ahead. That's the same with that whole recreation we were speaking at the start. That's what people don't do for themselves personally. They don't get that they need to change. What worked for you when you were 18 doesn't work for you at 30, doesn't work for you at 40, doesn't work for you at 50. But the, the funny thing is that that definition that most people are carrying around to themselves, it's not real. It's not the definition of the person they currently are no. a lot of the time. Like I've often found that people, if you've got good people around you, they'll, go, they'll let you know how you're viewed and how you're presenting. And you go, well, that, that actually doesn't marry up with what I feel inside, that whole imposter syndrome kind of thing. Totally. But I, I mean, I think most people who view you, I mean, really, you've got to take that with a grain of salt as well. Yeah. Like, it's got to go through your filters because it's through there. Yeah. It's what you play for them in their life. So 100%. It's like when people say, gee, you've really evolved. They go, yeah, I'm sure it's me. <laughs> Perhaps you've just got to a point where you've been able to recognize that I just know what I'm doing. Yeah. And everyone else goes, yeah, you know, you're really changing. Yeah, yeah, it's me. <laughs> it can't be me. It, it is and it's not at the exact same time. But 100%, 100% but the person verbalising it's obviously noticing that. Oh, yeah, no, that's them. <laughs> but, wow. <laughs> it's pretty cool. Um, so, but, yeah, essentially any of these conversations we're all just talking to ourselves anyway. So luckily just try and find the people that sound like you or don't sound like you. What's the message? Well... I guess that's interesting. For me personally, it is be very careful where you're filtering your messages from yeah. and what you're taking on board. If you're looking for a message, you probably already have the message that something's not quite and look within because it is lonely being a business owner. It is extremely lonely. There is consistent reinvention of your life's work. In order to do that, you actually have to recreate yourself over and over again. And where the arrogance of people like us is, is realising that it's that's just life in general, that all our staff are going through the same thing, yeah. that they're going through their lives, their changes, they're, you know, they're finding out what they want to do or want to be in the company and we need to facilitate that. It doesn't mean we need to make that happen for them but we need to allow them the space to be who they need to be and evolve into what they are because if we're evolving... So is everyone else. Just on that, because it's a conversation that's come up a few times around at the moment, I really admired the way, and we've got it right and wrong sometimes, yep. that how do you get – if you've got someone in a role within a business that they're looking to get to somewhere else, how do you help facilitate that? Because I know a lot of people are struggling with that process because they just go, oh, it's too hard to figure out the steps. Just give it to them and see what happens. Yeah, gamblers. Yeah. <laughs> it's back, it's the same thing, isn't it? It's just manifesting in a different way. Oh, it's too hard to think through and work out what the parameters are. Just give them a go. Yeah. Great. Sometimes that is the answer, but you've got to understand what's the downside. So it's an evaluation of risk. Yeah. If they do that really badly, what is the result? If they do that really well, what's the result? If they are okay at it, what's the result? And then it's our risk tolerance versus the time to further explore how to do it better because a lot of the time particularly smaller businesses we don't have the ability to do all the due diligence we need we need a bit of gut feeling yeah, yeah. at times so you have to it's an evaluation of risk more than anything now how do you then leverage the risk well 
you could play a different role or a hybrid role in the transition period, not giving them the whole role, giving them pieces of the role until they hit a failure point and you realise their ability. You start stepping it out. But most people go, but I don't have time for that. And I go, yeah, that's why you are where you are. Yeah. Because you don't get that's where you have to find time. Now you're going through your transition again, yeah. working out how do I do this and this with limited time? How do I change my effectiveness in my time? Because it always comes back to you. And that's the thing is, should I do that? I don't know. I don't know. How would I know? <laughs> I know how to break it down and, and get to the fastest result with the minimal amount of risk yeah. based on tolerance steps, risk factors, resources and, you know, red flags that we need to watch for. Yeah. But can I answer that? It's like a dumb question really. Not your question. That's a good question. But the question is people looking for quick answers again. So you again realise they haven't yet got on the path of mastery of breaking problems down. Yeah, They're a leader of a business. Does a really great leader of a business ask, should I do that? <laughs> no. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. I, and, I, and for me also, I mean, you, you know, Nigel, we've worked a lot of years together but it's, I want people to grab things, not ask for them. Yeah. Like I like performance environments. I like environments where you've got hungry people. Not aggressive, hungry. Like they want to grab an opportunity. They don't want to be given it. Now that's that's not everyone's company and I get that. It's not something that I guess it's more around culture and values and what you want to curate in your own companies. For me personally, I love that. It's like most people don't ask whether they can do something. They come and say, this is what I've done. I'm taking over this. I'm like, great, bloody great. You, you know what I mean? This, but that's why we're obviously I'm proud of what we have here. For others, those sort of questions I think get back to that mentality of great, now we know the next step of your leadership style. Yeah. Is it you need an answer to the question or have we actually got to a point where you've decided that you want to give away the responsibility of growing into the next level of leader that you need to be in order to get the business where you want to go? And most of the time when you ask people that question, that might be their aha moment. Yeah. I was going to say it brings it right back to that. Yeah. Confirm what I already know but now we're sharing the responsibility of it. Yeah. Simple really. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Nigel, always great to chat. Thank you, sir. It's, uh, it's been a nice uh, thundery afternoon up in the studio. Yeah, that was pretty cool, wasn't it? A little bit. That's one out of the box. <laughs> Excellent. Thank you again, Nigel. To everyone else, we'll see you next time or, yeah. <laughs> Talk soon. Bye.